This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Inglis, number one in its field. Chatting with Sky Racing correspondent Gary Cleesey recently, and I told him I wanted to start podcasting interviews with some country trainers. And he said I should start with Sue Grills, who races horses regularly in the north and northwest of New South Wales and occasionally turns up in Brisbane or Sydney if she thinks she has one good enough. Sue was born into the racing game as the daughter of Max McGrath, a very capable jockey and trainer, and her maternal grandfather was Arthur Gore, a wonderfully respected trainer in his day in the northwest of the state. Young Sue McGrath defied the odds by becoming a jockey in the era when Pam O'Neill was struggling to become the first female to gain a licence to ride against the men. The authorities allowed ladies-only races in the early days and Sue took part in a few of those, but when the green light was given for unisex racing, she was the only registered female jockey in the northwest of New South Wales. Sue McGrath is now Sue Grills, a very successful trainer, and she's online to talk to me on the podcast. Sue, thanks for taking time out. Good morning, John, and thank you. Let's investigate firstly the change of surname. You married John Grills in 1984, and they tell me he was a pretty good amateur jockey. Yes, he was. He was very successful in our area. John also rode over the coast. Um, yeah, he had a good career as an amateur rider. And you met at the races, I'll bet. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and what sort of a help is he around the place in these days? Oh, John's. we've got a property leased and he has a fair few cattle, um, but he does come to the races sometimes and he's always on Sunday morning duty. Um, but, yeah, he, he does his share. Now, Sue, let's have a look at your pedigree. Your maternal grandfather was Arthur Gore, and I'm proud to say I met him several times during my bush excursions in the old days. What a character. Yes, Pop was a character. He called everybody Shirley, whether you were male or female. Yes, he did. <laughs> Including me. I was another one of his Shirleys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone was Shirley. And the few people who were actually uh, called Shirley, he always used to think he was a genius for remembering their name, but <laughs> everybody's Shirley. <laughs> Every now and again, he fluked one. He did, yes. <laughs> yeah. He trained some very good horses, Sue. Scottish Crag was one of them. You know, that horse won a Ramorny at Grafton with 60 kilos, Scottish Crag. Yes, yeah, he was a very good horse, and Pop was a great trainer, and he had a lot of good horses, um, and it was a lot harder to travel back then, but, you know, they still went for miles with them. Mm. Merry Jack is another one I well remember, Sue. I called him many times in the bush. He won an Armadale Cup. And, you know, Arthur brought him to Randwick once for a welter and George Moore was very keen to get on him. And Moore rode him and won on him, Merry Jack. Yes, he, he was a beautiful horse. He was one of my favourites. I know I was pretty young then, but, you know, Pop used to let us get on him and ride him around his yard. He, he's just a beautiful horse, yeah. Now, Sue, tell me about your dad, Max McGrath. He was an all-round horseman, wasn't he? He was, Dad, yes. He um, he rode successfully as a jockey. Um, I wouldn't know how many winners he rode, but he rode for a fair while. Um, 
And then he went on to be a pretty successful trainer. He, he didn't train for a lot of years, and then he was um, foreman for Keith Swan. Mm. Now, there's a name, Keith Swan, another highly regarded country trainer. Uh, you spent a lot of time at his stables, and you were close enough to Keith to call him your uncle, but he really wasn't. That's right, yes. Like, um, when Dad was there and we were kids, we used to always go up and help, you know, the stables, and then... When I left school, I just started working there, you know. I think I left school one day and started work the next. Now, he was another uh, trainer who knew when it was time to bring one to town, Sue. Keith would turn up at Randwick or Rose Hill on occasions. He did, yes. Yeah, no, he had a lot of success in town when he took horses down. Um, and a great judge, you know, like Pop. I was lucky to have both them around me and Dad, um, you know, three wonderful people with horses. And what about Brother Ron? He was apprentice to his grandfather, Arthur Gore, but I think Arthur died before Ron got to ride in a race. Yes, that's correct. It was a bit sad for my brother, um, but he went on to ride a lot of winners for Keith Swan. He just transferred his indentures over, um, and he was a successful jockey, very successful. He had a nickname, your brother, Yogi. How did that happen? Well, when he was a baby, my grandmother said he looked like a little yogi bear. <laughs> it just stuck with him. He was always yogi. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't shake it. <laughs> couldn't shake it. He's still yogi. <laughs> now, let's talk about a young jockey called Sue McGrath. You joined an elite group of jockeys to win at your very first race ride. You'd ridden in ladies' races previously, but against the men, you won first up at Inverell, and the horse's name was Majoriel. Yes, yeah, Pop trained that. It was, oh, like anybody, the biggest thrill ever. Um, and it was funny because Pop said, whatever you do, don't miss the start. It was an 1,800-metre race. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was only three runners. So what did I do? I missed the start. And I'm like, oh, Pop's going to be so angry. So I kicked him up. Well, then he took off, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and they, then they couldn't catch him. I think I was more exhausted than the horse when we got back. <laughs> so you found the front, Sue, did you? I found the front very easily, yes. And I think at one stage you led me like 10 lengths. He just sort mm. of took off on me and I'm like, oh, this is a disaster. Yeah. But anyway, he hung on and won. So, no, it was the biggest thrill. You never forget that. Now, Sue, you were around in those very early days when – Poor old Pam O'Neill was trying desperately to to get a licence to ride against the men. She was a real trailblazer. How tough was it? You you were the only female jockey in your part of the state. That's right. It it was, look, it was very tough. I was just lucky I had Pop and Keith Swan behind me. Um, And, like, back in those days, you didn't book a rider, so you went to the races, and if no one had a rider, well, I often got a ride. Um, Mm. But... Only for Pop and Keith Swan, I'd have never, you'd have never got a ride. You know, I, I was really lucky, yeah. You won a couple of races on a very good bush horse called Dropper Notes. Uh, he won a stack of races. Yes, yeah, he was a wonderful horse, Dropper Note. Um, Pop had him, and then when he passed away, well, um, Uncle Keith got him. Um, but, yeah, I remember one day at Corinda, I don't know the date or anything, but there was a race enough named after my grandmother, and I won it on drop eight. So mm-hmm. that was a big thrill too, and, you know, they were super chuffed. Yep. Now, Sue, when it comes to career highlights in your riding career, nothing beats the Barabat Town Plate. <laughs> <laughs> that was the big one on Sylvan Boy. 
<laughs> That's right, yeah, for Keith Smith. Um, he was a very good bull sprinter, Sylvan boy. Um, he had a stack of weight that day. I can't remember, but I was still claiming three. So, mm. he, you know, he had a lot of weight, but he, and he won very easily. But I must admit, I was so nervous. I thought, if I could beat on this horse, they were going to string me up. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because of the importance of the event. Yes, yeah, you know, he's the town hero and um, had a girl jockey on him and, like, geez, the pressure was on me. But yeah. he, he won easy. I had nothing to worry about. Yeah, um, yeah. Danny Fram was his regular rider and he said, don't worry, he'll win. Just keep him going, though. That, that's all yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, Danny Fram. I had the pleasure to interview Dan for Sky Racing a few years ago now. He hasn't long retired, has he? No, no, and he's a great jockey and a great bloke, Danny. Always helped the apprentices. You know, every apprentice I think he helped. He, he was wonderful, Danny. Great bloke. Well, you lasted about four years as a jockey. You rode a total of 34 winners, but they were happy years, Sue, and you'd certainly do it all again. Oh, yes, it was wonderful, you know, and back then even, like, the male jockeys, they, they were good about it, you know. It was more the punters, I think, that <laughs> didn't like the girl jockeys, but um, all the jockeys were good because, you know, I'd known them a long time too, I suppose, yeah. Female jockeys all around Australia are now in great numbers and some of them have reached the absolute top of the tree. But as a trainer now, you tell me there are owners who were still reluctant to put them on. Yes, you still got the odd owner who would still sooner a male jockey on, you know, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's silly because there's so many talented girl riders out there now. The horse to kickstart your training career was called Double the Ton, a very well-named one by Double Century. Now, you got him to train after Keith Swan passed away. I think you won first up with him at Inverell, uh, but then he won a stack of country cups for you, Sue. Yes, he, he was a wonderful horse to me, double the ton. Um, lovely natured horse and a uh, lovely group of owners from Inverell. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just a wonderful horse. He was no champion, but he always tried old double the ton and, and, yeah, won a lot of cups. Won a Gilgandra Cup. He won a Baraba Cup and an Inverell Cup. Yes, yeah, marvellous horse. Because, you know, the cups in those days, they were real cups where horses had all won seven or eight races. Whereas today, a lot of the cups, the horses have only won three or four races. Mm. Sue, we'll get you to stand by there for a moment whilst we clear a break on the podcast. Back in just a moment. The 2019 Sydney Classic Yearling Sale will entail four days of book one. February the 9th to the 12th, when 808 yearlings will be offered, and the highway session, book two, February the 14th, which will see a further 205 youngsters go under the hammer. Wednesday the 13th of February will be a highway race day at Warwick Farm, featuring two highway handicaps, one for country trained horses, one for provincial trained horses. If the winner of either highway race is an eligible English graduate, the winning trainer will receive a $50,000 credit voucher to spend at the highway session the following day. In recent years, the classic sale has produced horses like She Will Rain, Yankee Rose, Extreme Choice, Extra Brute, I Am A Star, Hellbent and Maid of Heaven, all distinguished Group 1 winners. Top horses just keep turning up from the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale. 
My special guest is Tamworth trainer Sue Grills, who's had a great career. She rode successfully for a number of years before turning her hand to training. And Sue, trying to uh, locate your winner tally has been a pretty tough job. You have no idea, you tell me. But according to my research, you've trained about 700 winners. Yeah, well, as I said, I, w- I wouldn't have a clue, but, and that surprises me I trained that many, but I suppose they do add up, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the best of them so far, and certainly your all-time favourite, is Border Rebel, a little fellow by Johannesburg. He had 37 starts, 14 wins, 623000 in prize money, and it's a funny story here, Sue. He was one of four horses to be given to four different trainers. So how did you land with him? Just pure luck, I think. <laughs> pure <Yeah>. luck. <laughs> um, yeah, Trevor Hardy got one, and um, uh, Thingy Green Tree from Cross Harbour got another one. Mm. Um, yeah, I was just so lucky, and I think Stephen Lee actually got one. Mm. But I was just so lucky to have Border Rebel. You know, he's a little superstar. Well, he had a couple of amazing sequences. Uh, at one stage, he won six straight. He won yes. 10 out of 13, and he won 13 out of 18. I couldn't believe it when I looked his record up. Yes, he, he was a super horse. Um, he wasn't very big, like a very strong horse. Um, but, like, with Border Rebels, also lucky because I had Tim Bell, and when I took him to town a few times, like Tim always rode him, but he could claim three kilos off him. So he was getting in weights in races with a nice light weight uh, with Tim on him. So that helped him too. He won the Hinkler quality at Eagle Farm twice. He won the takeover target at Gosford. Uh, he won a race at Canterbury. He won three at Rose Hill. He won another one at Warwick Farm. He won three at Eagle Farm. And, Sue, I recall his running a cracking fourth in the Doomben 10,000 one day, and he wasn't very far behind the winner, Beaded. No, that's right. Like, he, he was just a wonderful horse. And he ran second in the QTC Cup once, and we protested. Mm. Um, I still think we should have won. Um, but it was Damien Oliver and against Tim, you know, and Tim was only a young kid, and he often said later on, I wish I knew now what... Um, when we were in that protest, you know, but mm. they're just a bit smart for us. And I think I was that nervous. I was pretty stupid in what I said probably too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah such a big race. And, yeah, but he was a marvellous horse. I was very lucky to have him. Well, he got due recognition, you know, in 2010 when he was made Country Horse of the Year in New South Wales. And it was a very proud Sue Grills who accepted the award. Oh, extremely. He, he was there, just the best horse. And at that time in my career, like when you're a country trainer, it's not easy. And to have that horse, he sort of turned my career around, you know, really give me a boost financially and, you know, put your name out there and that's what you've got to have. Your second favourite horse was the hardy, durable old warrior, Ollie Volley. He won a stakes race at 11 years of age. He won 19 in all, Sue. Oh, he was a wonderful horse too, Ollie. Um, he wasn't quite the class of Border Rebel, but he was so honest um, and heaps of apprentices run on him. When I took him to Brisbane, I don't know how many different apprentices run on him. Um, and even around the bush, I know Jodie Worley, 
I think she had a first win on him in the big sprint of Port Macquarie when she still claimed four kilos. Mm-hmm. Um, just a marvellous horse. But, yeah, winning that Gold Coast Stakes at 11, you know, that, that was just a great feat. And I think yeah. he's still the oldest stakes winner in Queensland. Yeah. He won everywhere. He won on all four Sydney Metropolitan tracks. He won at Eagle Farm. He won at Doombin. He won at Hawkesbury. He won at Kembla Grange. The only place he didn't win was Harold Park. <laughs> yeah, no, he was super. He started off with Guy Walter. He did win four races with Guy Walter mm. um, early in his career. But, yeah, I took him everywhere. He'd travel anywhere. Him and Border Rebel were both the same. You could travel them anywhere. You know, they're great eaters. Nothing worried them. And, mm. you know, both very easy horses to ride So and very easy to train. No, I was extremely lucky with both of them, that's for sure. What about a little chestnut mare called Fickle Folly? And she was a pony. Uh, she finished as a four-year-old after having surgery for a bone chip. Yes, that was a real um, bad day, that. Um, yeah, she just she was never very lame or anything. And We had a knee x-ray and unfortunately she had a chip there. And then when it was removed and then the time was up, but they weren't, you know, they sort of thought it would be 50-50 whether she would race on so and as her owner Paul Frampton's a breeder he just put it to start so but she was, she was a good little mare too very good she, she was lightly raced Sue she only had 17 starts won six of them she won a tab highway at Rose Hill for Tommy Berry and a couple of other races in town and I seem to recall one day at Randwick Robert Thompson may have ridden her she was well and truly headed look gone and fought back and won. She just stuck a little head out right on the line. Yes, yeah, she did that, and Robert was on board. Um, Robert actually rode her a few times, and he suited her really well, but, she was, yeah, she was a tough little thing. Mm. How did yeah. you feel at that special awards night in Sydney in the season 2014-15 when you were crowned Country Trainer of the Year? Well, that was a big thrill for me. <laughs> I never really expected it. Um, yeah, and just we had a great year that year, and no, it was wonderful. That is for sure. Yeah. You currently have you've got two apprentices in the camp at the moment, Sue. Both girls, yes. Wendy Peel and Yvette Lewis, who hasn't ridden in a race yet, but Wendy is absolutely wowing them everywhere she goes. Wendy's going very well. You know, she's a lovely girl, a very hard worker, Wendy, and, you know, she'll travel, which riders have got to do today. Mm. Um, she was started off with Peter Robel and then transferred over to me but because um, it's so hard in the city anyway, but mm. she's just kept improving all the time, Wendy, and she's riding very well at the moment. And doubles and trebles have been flowing too. Yes, yeah, no, she's having a fantastic run, so it's really good to see. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Wendy, but I see her tweets quite often, and she never forgets to thank owners and trainers who've given her an opportunity. That's right, and, and you know, it's great to see that because, you know, that they're the people that put you on and um, continue to put you on, that's for sure. Another successful apprentice you had there was Stacey Young. She rode plenty of winners. Uh, Sophie, yes, she did. No, Sophie was with me the whole time. Um, and when she came, Sophie had no um, racing background. And she worked hard too, you know, and it pays off in the long run. It's not an easy game, but 
as I tell all the apprentices, uh, the trainer can do so much, but it's up to them to make it happen. You know, they've got to put the work in and Sophie did it, Wendy does it, and Yvette's a great little girl too, and I'm pretty sure she'll be successful as well. For three years, you had under your care one of the most brilliant apprentices ever seen in Australia. Tim Bell was a naturally gifted young horseman who won a Brisbane Jockeys Premiership in his early 20s and was making great headway in Singapore when he died in a freakish accident. He was trying to climb onto a ledge, Sue, wasn't he, to get into his apartment through the kitchen window and he fell 12 floors to his death. Yes, it was a, a tragedy, that's for sure. He, he was super talented, Tim. Um, good kid. You know, he was a bit of a rascal, but that's what made him such a good rider, I think. He was um, game, you know, and confident in his abilities. Um, no, just a very talented rider. He had tremendous natural ability. You told me once you had a couple of very difficult horses at the time that wouldn't have been heard of without Tim. That's exactly right. I had a little mare called Shades of Gold. She came to me, um, and she was a real silly thing, a real handful. But Tim put hours of work in. Because of his um, show riding ability before he started race riding, he would just do flat work on her out in the middle of the Tenworth race course. And um, mm. oh, I think we won three races with her. So, you know, they're, they're hard work stories that really pay off. And um, no, it was up to Tim, though. No one else would have done it with her, that's for sure. No, no. News of his accident swept the racing world and it must have come as a massive shock to you. Oh, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, like as I said to some people, if it had been in a race four, you probably could have accepted it better. But, um, yeah, just the biggest shock I think I've ever gotten. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You've scaled the team down a little bit with the hot weather coming on. And as we speak, you're working about 21 horses. And a little birdie told me you've got an unraced Hinchinbrook two-year-old you're pretty sweet on. Yes, yeah. And no, I actually I had him in for Tamworth uh, on Friday, but he's gone Shinsaw, so he'll be going to the paddock now for a while. So, But he's a lovely horse, um, still growing and maturing, so the time won't hurt him, that's for sure. What's his name, Sue? Danebrook. Dane Brook, right? Yes. We'll keep an eye out for him. You've got another gelding there, Mr. Hustle, who's had one start for one promising third. Yes, he's a nice horse with potential. Um, lovely owners with him. They've had horses with me for a while. And, but he is a very nice horse, Mr. Hustle, and um, he'll probably come back into training in a couple of weeks' time. Now, I've been saving this one up. <laughs> Perhaps the most promising of all is Burning Crown. He's a three-year-old gelding. You bought him in Adelaide. He's had three starts for two wins at Gunnedah and Scone. Then you slipped him to Randwick, and he ran a very good third there, beaten under two lengths. He was favourite, in fact. You put him away straight away. He's by helmet. He's out of a General Nadim mare. He's a chestnut. And you've already had some fairly tempting nibbles for him but he's not for sale. No, that's right. He's not for sale at this stage. Um, he, he's a very promising horse. Um, he's got a wonderful nature and, yeah, loads of ability. Um, he's sort of pretty untapped yet. This preparation um, will hopefully see a lot better things with him. Uh, but um, I'll just concentrate on a lot of three-year-old races with him, maybe another tab highway. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he came back into work last week and he's done very well. He's matured and he's just a lovely horse. Yes. Plenty of barrier trials available in your part of the world. Oh, there's a few. I wouldn't say there's plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few. You know, usually uh, most of them are after the races, though. Um, so unless you want to travel them, a lot of the time it's wait till Tenworth race and um, trial them there or somewhere close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The travelling is obviously the toughest part of being a country horse trainer. It is, and it's worse now than it's ever been. Um, you've just got to travel everywhere to find races to suit your horses. And, you know, a lot of miles in, in this heat, it is really tough, yeah. Mm. So, Sue, if you've got two runners at a meeting, say, three hours away, you're in the first race and the last race, you can be getting home well into the night. Oh, exactly right, exactly. Like, if we go to Dubbo to race, um, a lot of the time you'll leave here at 9 o'clock and get back at 9 (laughs) o'clock, you know, and you've been up since 3.30. So they're long days, and then you've usually got to get up again the next morning. So Mm. it's a tough life, that is for sure. You've got to love it. (laughs) Well, Sue, you were champion New South Wales country trainer in 2014-15. You're only a, a girl, (laughs) <laughs> so, you may well do it again. Oh, that'd be nice, but it's pretty hard these days with Chris Lees and, you know, a lot of the provincial trainers come to the country tracks and just with the sheer volume and numbers, you know, a small team's hard to win a premiership now. Mm. So, yeah. Sue, the three we've got punters need to keep an eye on then are Danebrook, Mr Hustle and Burning Crown, with the latter... I think being your personal favourite. Yes, he, he is for sure. He's um, he, he's a very promising horse, um, and I'm sure there's bigger, better things to come for him. Well, sir, you've done it all. You've been a successful jockey in an era when it was so tough for the girls, and as a trainer, uh, 700 winners is a wonderful testimony to your ability and your talents and your perseverance. Keep it up, and it's delightful to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much, John. It's it's a tough life, but it's a great life. You meet good friends and, you know, it, it's good fun. That's for sure. Thanks for talking to us, Sue, and please give my best regards to Wendy Peel and tell her I'll be reading those tweets. Okay, then. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sue. Bye. Bye. 2019 English Select Yearling Sales Series is almost upon us with close to 3,000 yearlings to be offered through the Southern Hemisphere's number one equine auction house. Catalogues for the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale and the Melbourne Premier Sale are now available online at english.com.au and in hard copy, while the Easter Preview magazine featuring almost 500 world-class pedigrees is also ready for your perusal. 1,013 horses will be offered at the Classic Sale, beginning at the Riverside Stables on the night of Saturday, February the 9th, directly after the English race day at Warwick Farm. In a stunning catalogue, there are relations to 76 stakes winners, including eight group winners, and the progeny of 103 stakes winning mares, including 10 group one winners. Riverside Stables will be hosting sheer quality at the 2019 Classic Yearling Sale.